0: We're going to start by interacting a little bit with me, believe it or not. You're going to actually say a few things here. So I wrote these questions on your sermon notes if you want to see it there, but we're just going to take a few minutes and interact. So feel free to kind of jump in and call out some answers. Glad to hear from kids too. Uh, So what does it mean to be a good son or daughter? Respectful. obedient, okay, connected, loving, kind, okay, thankful, good, all right, let's move on, uh, what is a good parent like? A listener, good listener, You, Janet, you tell me if I, I'm missing any good content back there from that row of kids, all right, uh, they can speak up. All right, and Brian. Uh, all right, good listener. What else do good parents? What else are they like? Curious. Nice. Yes. Thank you. Patient. Loving. Flexible. Honest. Supportive. Grace. Grace-filled. Okay. A little trickier question, second level here. Where did you get those ideas for those answers? Handed down down from your parents, maybe? From the Bible, yeah? Mistakes, okay, good. Experience, good. I, I would add like maybe there's some extent. we mammals. I think about like the mama bear and the cub. The cub kind of, you know, listens to the mama bear and the mama bear cares for the cub. So there's some of that. So everything should be just perfect with relationships with parents and kids, right? This is easy. Those answers were straightforward. Hey, you know, we have no problem here, right? No, unfortunately, no, right? I heard a joke, something about, you know, 55 million people traveled uh, for Thanksgiving to see loved ones and some others went and saw family or something like that. So anyway, like there's, right, there's, it's, it's hard, right? So um, let's go on to the harder uh, questions here. Uh, what does it mean to be a bad son or daughter? Disrespectful, unloving, disobedient. Phil, what? No. What was that one? Don't learn from their mistakes. Thank you. Yes, that's a good one. Oh, sweet, Karen. There's no such thing as a bad center dog. Right, bad choices. Okay, they make bad choices. Right, okay, uh, good. Um, this, is a more seri- this is the most serious question of this whole bunch, maybe, is you know, what is a bad parent like? This, is, this should make us cringe. Self-centered. Inconsistent. Too strict? As somebody said, right? What did somebody say too permissive too? Okay, good. Um, yeah, I mean these are hard. Like I think about abusive, neglectful, right? These are these are they can do a lot of damage. This is this is hard. So how do they get there? Just a little psychology play play armchair psychologist. How do they go f- no one sets out to be a, a rebellious kid? or, a, or a, a bad parent. So what, any, any kind of ideas of how that happens just in, in each case? Okay, trauma, so they repeat things that they've been hurt. Okay, good. Peer pressure, the kid goes off, at some bad friends. Substance abuse, in both these cases, right? Yep, addiction. Okay, not another coping mechanism, so they, they turn it on, they try to find a way by either putting down their kids or, or running away. Okay, good. Um, uh, last one here, and I don't know that I phrased it right, but, and, and this one's really kind of a hard one. Does it make a difference in how you approach your parents or your children because you're a Christian? Any, any ideas here? Any, in any way that you could describe Strive to be more loving than you would have been otherwise because you're a Christian. Good. Okay, Den? Okay, Scripture gives him another pattern rather than just repeating what he's seen. Okay, good. Yeah, I would say we've got Jesus as a model, we've got the Spirit dwelling in us. We've got God kind of watching over things and judging, seeing both partners. Uh, we have, what else did I forget there? We've got the community here to help us, maybe. Uh, so we've got some resources. All right. I may come back to you later, but that may be all that you're on uh, and, and responsible for here. Uh, um, let's see here. I think, there we go. Uh, the Apostle Paul thinks that it makes a huge difference. So he thinks that uh, these people who grew up as, uh, in, in Greece under the Roman Empire as pagans, and now they've decided to join this Christian community that has these Jewish customs, they're not following all of the ceremonial Jewish practices, but the moral ones. He's saying this is going from darkness To light, And that's what he says throughout the book of Ephesians. We're in the last chapter, the very beginning of the last chapter, uh, Ephesians 6. And if we were listening to this read aloud, it'd be about 20 minutes, and we're about at the 17-minute mark. And he's just emphasized over and over again that there are these two ways. And you might think that that's a bit of a rhetorical exaggeration, but it's interesting when you uh, listen to historians like David Bentley Hart or Tom Holland, who know the ancient world. They actually say that we don't realize to what extent all the things we just said about how people are supposed to relate is really affected by Christianity's influence over the last 20 centuries on Western culture. Uh, so, uh, we're going to talk about some things, but uh, David Bentley Hart, not in context of this, uses the same words uh, in terms of darkness. Recall the culture of antiquity prior to Christian faith, the darkness haunting much of its mythology. And I won't keep going on that. But really, Paul is right. There was a huge shift, and the extent to which we lose that connection to the Christian convictions, we may lose some of what seems to us to be common sense in how we treat our parents, how we treat our kids. So that's just something to keep in mind. All right, we're going to go to Ephesians 6, 1-4, to and I'm going to read it, but I want you to know that it's really quite short okay? Uh, this is not a parenting book. It's not a how to care for and love your your elderly parent. Uh, it's it's not that. It's not a treatise. It's like a TikTok video. It's 26 seconds, uh, so uh, or an uh, Instagram reel or your uh, YouTube short. Anyway, it's short, and so there's not a lot here. This is just ideally how it's supposed to function. Again, Paul is uh, drawing in broad strokes the difference that it makes uh, to come from what they're used to in terms of parent-child relationships to how he imagines it should be in, in the Christian world, in the Lord, as he puts it. So let's read it here. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we'll come back to this uh, over and over here, and we're going to work through this now. So it's on the back of your sermon notes, right? So you can see it there if you want to take notes or just remember where we're at. Um, What I notice here is there's give and take. So I put a whole bunch of titles I was going to put for my sermon here, and they're all like this take turns thing. So less drama and conflict families, level-headed families, give and receive, taking turns, restrained, sober, measured relating, mutual submission. There's this give and take, kids obey, parents aren't hard on the kids, right? So that's this kind of beautiful uh, work. It reminds me of like the toddler cleanup song, you know, clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere, clean up. Anyway, it's just like this idea, right? That Like everybody does their part. It's so sweet. You know, it works out great. That's sort of the idea here, I think. And here we go. But I know you're going to rightly ask, what if it's not going this well? right? Uh, You know, we, a couple things I just want to say to help you in case you're a little frustrated about these four verses and what they say about parent-child relationships. You want more, so you can go back (laughs) to Ephesians 4. There's like therapy stuff there in Ephesians 4, you know, on relating, like, you know, take responsibility for your own words and actions and recall your own faults and how you relate with others. Anyway, really great therapy kind of stuff. And then on the other hand, uh, there are really also other passages which can deal with things when we see abuse, apathy, and addiction, like really serious issues. We can go to the Gospels. We can go to First and Second Corinthians and Romans. And there's a lot of great passages there that are about loving an enemy, <laughs> loving a difficult person. And that's uh, loving somebody who's not doing their part. And there, we've got to have creative solutions, treatments, support groups, interventions. There's all kinds of cool brainstorming of what to do in those situations. But that's not really covered here. And I also just want to point out uh, one other thing that is kind of an overarching theme, and that's that the Lord is watching each partner. He knows who's not doing their part, and and he's going to make it right in the end. And so there's some comfort, I think, in that. But I also just want to flag for you Again, it's not covered in these four verses, but I saw this statistic. I'm still wrestling with it. In 130 countries, the U.S. has the world's highest rate of children living in single-parent households. So anyway, it's just very complicated. People are saying, uh, loving my parents, you know, my multiple sets of parents, my stepkids. Uh, there's a lot of complicated things going on here. All right. All right so warnings and encouragements to children and parents not a fool instead seek wisdom this is our first part to the children all right uh, so uh, instruction to the children uh, the first uh, part of this is children obey your parents and the lord for this is right and then there's a parallel passage in colossians 3:20 it's very similar children obey your parents in everything oh my goodness for this pleases the lord Obey your parents and everything. I'm very sympathetic to this kid right here, the strong-willed child. Uh, you know, clinically proven five-week program for parents of two to six-year-olds. You know, like obey your parents and everything. And I said this to Amy. This is hard, and she said, "Of course you're the non-compliant one. Of course you uh, you have a." And I said, "I'm not. I'm not rebellious. I'm just strong-willed." Uh, but. Uh, No, really, though, uh, this is hard, and I think there's reason. Not just us uh, two-year-olds who who have a hard time with this, actually. And I think there's some exceptions to this, and I think it's worth pointing them out. So obey your parents and everything. Uh, One, maybe an exception, is that your parent is abusive. Uh, So Saul told Jonathan to kill David, and, and Jonathan didn't do as his dad told him to do. He warned David. All right, so that's a good example. And then Jesus has a couple really strong lines. One, he says you have to leave your mother and father. Another, he says you have to forsake, uh, you have to hate your mother and father in order to follow him. So there's some circumstances where possibly there's a loyalty to the family. I'm thinking about the mafia or something like that. uh, But anyway, that you choose you choose Jesus right so there's some choices there and then there's also chronological development as kids grow older so one of the examples is people get married there's this biblical idea of you know you leave your parents and you cleave to your spouse so there's a little lessening of responsibility i think to your parents in that in that in that and i think about too jesus who has this like coming of age moment when he's 12 and he's in the temple with his uh, Heavenly Father, he's he's with the priest talking about uh, spiritual things, but he didn't tell his parents, so his parents are mad at him. It wasn't like his best moment at honoring his parents and and obeying his parents, right? His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, and they're worried about him. They're mad at him. Uh, so, you know, I mean, later he does great. He <laughs> he does what Amy uh, Amy says, what Mary says at at uh, at the wedding of Cana. Uh, And, uh, but anyway, um, there is some sense that this is a gradual thing. Uh, And so I I think that's worth keeping in mind. And I also want to think about who we obey as adults. So I think about uh, police officers, lawyers, doctors, our boss, we have to obey. And what I've been really thinking about is that when their boss or one of the, when they tell us to do something, we, we think about it and we think it's probably not worth challenging this person with their authority, with their knowledge, best to obey, that there's actually some volition involved here. So it's not just like wallowing, I have to obey. It's like, we do that because it's in our own long-term interest. And I think that may help us uh, to actually think about obeying and not be as resentful about it. All right. Uh, And then finally, there's a line here, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's fitting, it's proper. Uh, And, you know, you'll get this from your from your mothers, right, who say, I birthed you, so therefore you better pick up your socks, right? And dads dad say, you know, under this roof, you know, you're going to, you know, do some chores, right? And this is a bit of a sober moment uh, in terms of the sermon here. I think this is something that we can all think about and, and, uh, and consider. You know, all of us can consider what basic deference, respect, honor, and obedience we owe our parents for what they have done for us. They really have. They really have, right? So we remember that maybe on Mother's and Father's Day, but uh, it is right. It's proper. It makes sense. So that's something for us all to consider as Christians is what uh, what, uh, Paul is saying here. All right. Um, Honor your father and mother. What does this mean? Jokes? Jokes? Anybody want to make jokes here? Comments? Seriously? Jokes are real serious things. What does honor your father and mother mean? What? Obey? Okay, similar. It's parallel. Yep, to obey. I've got all kinds of jokes, like the honorable mom and father, you know, uh, let's see here. You know, but I mean, to honor your parents is like one, two, three, obey. You know, that honors your parents. Or, you know, in this household, you're a smith, so you, we do these things. That honors this family, right? So there are these kind of ideas, other, other things, what it means to honor your father. Send him cards, I guess, right? Uh, but, but, but I think at, at bottom, it's hearing them out, right? It's hearing them out and seriously considering obeying them. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, respecting their wisdom, um, what's interesting about this? Um, I'll go back one. Is that there's this promise. It's actually in this is from the Ten Commandments, and there's this interesting thing, and and Paul points it out. Like there's an upside. There's an. It's really interesting. Like this isn't just drudgery. There's an upside. You will have it. Will go well with you, and you will enjoy long life on the earth. And I, I can't help but notice this because it's one of my most favorite things to think about uh, because it's it's really troubling about our country. Our US life expectancy uh, falls to its lowest level since 1996. That's not good, I mean, that was in 2020, and so the pandemic really hurt that, but I was using this statistic from this next page, um, there it is, uh, that it was already increasing in 2015, 2016, 2017. Like, that just tells me our society is messed up. Like, we are not well, right? And so, uh, just in all kinds of ways. And, uh, all right, this is, again, I'm going to show you a few stats here, but this red thing is drugs, cars, and violence. All right, so here's the U.S., and here's all the other countries. And see how our red line is much bigger? Uh, That's because of homicides, car accidents, and drug abuse. Uh, So, it feels like people aren't obeying their parents or something like that. That's why they're dying young, you know, or something like that. And uh, the mortality gap uh, is in young adulthood. So it's when we're 20, 30, 40. That's when we're dying way worse than other countries. So I can't help but think part of this is people acting like fools and not listening to their parents in our country. And uh, so I think they're not living long. (laughs) but I think there is one more notch of a general principle here, and I think it's to seek wisdom more generally. I think about uh, Karl Barth, who I read once, who said, the reason we read old theologians is to honor our mother and father, to learn from them, and I think about that also uh, with reading history. Like we read history so we don't make every mistake in the past. And I think one lesson here to kids and to all of us is to seek wisdom, to not be a fool thinking you know it all, right? So that I just think is a really important general principle for all of us and, and it will result in some good positive things. All right, on to the parents. Not a tyrant, develop people. All right, uh, let's see here. There it is. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And the parallel in Colossians 3.21 is, fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. And one, like, wooden translation of this is... Fathers do not make your children angry. And this just hit me like a ton of bricks. This is like whoa, like wow. Like parent, kids have to obey everything? Oh my goodness. And fathers have to never make their kids mad? What? What? That is like uh, how can that be? How can that be? You know, what about the kid who's unbuckling their seatbelt, right? And uh or hitting their Sibling, like we're not to make them angry. That just doesn't seem right. And I think fathers, it's fine to push back. Uh, Parents are to warn their children of danger. So there's a bunch of proverbs here. Uh, You can look uh, at proverbs and see the discipline. And yes, one of our key roles as parents is to prevent our kids from dangers prevent our kids from dangers, and so we discipline so that they don't do stupid things, so they don't die, okay? So, yes, but I also want to have you think about this situation I just mentioned, like kid opens up their seatbelt, uh, you know, kid hitting their sibling, and that's like one of those where you want to use physical discipline, right? And maybe even a child worker or teacher would be allowed to use restraint of some kind, and I think that's Okay, okay, but I also just want to wrestle with the text here that we're not to be bullies. That's not really what we're to be known for. Some dads sort of leave a you know crying kids everywhere and you know and they're like, you know, I can I'll, I'll give you something to cry about, right? And I think I just want us to wrestle with the admissions to Christian parents in the New Testament, are to not exasperate your children, not to embitter your children. That's, that's really quite fascinating. We're not to be these jerks. Uh, and I think if we are, then it will invalidate uh, the, the Christian witness. I just, so, all right, next. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And here we see a little bit of coaching and teaching, okay? And so what I think, what is, is envisioned here is teaching kids at their level. That's what coaches do, right? They, they teach at the kids' level, wherever they're at, at their stage of development. They make it fun, right? If it's really boring, they make it short. They give treats, you know, I think you're to have that kind of mentality like, how can I be a little good coach to teach them these things? How can I be a good teacher to teach these kids some things? That's sort of Christian parenting. And uh, yeah. And it's in contrast to the yelling and the screaming. And I think about bad coaches. I think about this all the time. And here's one stat even about bad coaches. Uh, you know, regarding team performance, results indicated that coaches' expression of happiness were conducive to team performance, whereas expressions of anger were not. Just fascinating that, uh, you know, I, I don't want you to imitate bad coaches, the screamers. Uh, who are, so so uh, that's something for us to learn uh, from. All right, let's see here, go back one slide here. All right, uh, so that, oh wait, I do I have a, I, I think I just don't have that slide. All right, that's fine. All right. The last part. Oh, here it is. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So this last part is what is the instruction of the Lord about? And this I want us to talk about as a group. I think it has something to do with at home, some sort of Bible kind of stuff. And I think it's also bringing them to church. And I think it's also that it's caught as much as taught, right? And so how we live can invalidate whatever we're trying to teach. And you see this, do I have it? No, I don't have Deuteronomy 6. Uh, But Deuteronomy 6 says that as you walk along the road, you're to teach kids stuff. So in other words, at home, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, you're supposed to put on markers on your doors. Uh, So in the Old Testament, the idea was to have teachable moments. So uh, you have some responsibility, but also the Christian community does. I just thought I would brainstorm like at City Church, like what does this look like for instruction of the Lord, just to provide some reflection on this. I think it has to do with uh, reading aloud to your kids, some Bible storybooks when they're little. Then eventually they go and read on their own the graphic novels and the manga ones. Uh, And maybe they're watching what's in the Bible. Maybe later they're watching the Chosen or the Alpha student videos, something like that. Uh, Maybe you're reading Harry Potter and Narnia with them in terms of the Christian themes Uh, Those sort of things at home. Then you're having real discussions about their lives. But you're bringing them also to church regularly. So they feel like they're not a visitor or guest. They kind of feel like they belong because they're, they're here regularly. Maybe that's something. Maybe you send them to Christian camp, to Trout Lake camp in the summer. What are some of the other things? Oh, maybe they serve at VBS. Maybe they serve in other ways around here. Those are possible ways to help them. Uh, and I think the other thing is, again, you're living it out yourself. And the other thing is you're nurturing them in all sorts of areas, not just spiritually. So you're interested in their physical well-being that they thrive in, whatever their interests are. It's not going to go over well if that's the only thing you're interested in, right? Is their is there spiritual development. So, But we've just got to talk about that. I'm not sure if that's uh, the exact right thing to do. But I want to just conclude with a little bit of encouragement to you in the form of some studies, which I'm sure you'll just love. But, uh, but just briefly, uh, I think we don't do this because we don't think that it's worth doing. We, we actually have real questions about that. And uh, 61% of people 18 to 29, so young adults, say religious institutions have a negative effect on the country. So 61% are skeptical about church of young people. All right, but I think they're wrong. And I just wanna share a little bit about this to encourage you. On average, Americans who say they attend religious services weekly and pray daily also report being happier than those who who are less religiously committed. There's less depression in adolescence. A one-standard deviation increase in religiosity decreases the probability of being depressed by 11%. Alternative forms of school social support, such as clubs, sports, and the number of friends, do not appear to substitute for religiosity. Uh, The next one, uh, as far as navigating substance abuse, religious kids do much better. They've got much better resources for navigating that, avoiding it, and then getting out of it. Um, With far as grades, they do better. Uh, Religious belief helps non-affluent, poor kids attain greater academic success. And religious belief helps affluent kids, richer kids, disregard status in their life choices. So they're actually not trying to get famous and rich. They're trying to serve others because of their religious belief. That's a 2022 book. And uh, there's better health in young adulthood if a kid was involved in church as an adolescent, that first line, compared with no attendance, at least weekly attendance of religious services was associated with a greater life satisfaction and positive affect a number of, and a number of character strengths. So I think it's a good life. I think this advice Paul gave of moving from way over here to way over here and encourage them in that is indeed a way to a good long life. So let's not be fools, but seek wisdom. Let's not be tyrants, but develop people. And I just want to say, let's do it together. Let's talk about this. That's what we're here for. In the lobby, having coffee, in our uh, community groups, in our growth groups. This is what we're supposed to be doing, is trying to figure out your situation, my situation, which is tough. I'm reluctant to even share what I shared today because it's like, oh, God, help these poor people. Everybody's got such hard situations, but we've got to work through this together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this opportunity to wrestle with your word, uh, to be with these friends. Um, We pray that you would uh, help us to be light in a dark world uh, that desperately needs you. May we be people of health, people of beauty, people of goodness. Uh, in in a harsh and uh, and wounded world amen